calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Okay, not that you would have known this, but this is now the third time I've had to record this intro, because uh, the first time just was weird rambling, and I didn't like it. And then the second one, I actually really liked, and then I re-listened to it uh, before I was going to send it over to Kate, my producer, and I kept hearing this weird noise in the background, and I was like, what the fuck is that goddamn noise? And then I realized I kept my fucking AC on. Um, don't worry, Kate, if you're listening to this first, there is no AC on in the actual episode. Um, yeah, welcome back. It's another week with me. Thank y'all for making this podcast a thing. Um, I couldn't have this podcast without you guys. I mean, I could, but like, who'd be listening, you know, if not you, uh, please rate, like, subscribe, review. Um, if you want to check out the Patreon, go check it out. Go check it out. Go check out the Patreon. Yeah, I have I have Calvin Cato on again with someone who's very near and dear to me, a good friend. And I think in this episode we kind of just um, kind of like shoot the shit. Uh, it, we complain a lot too, which I like. You know, sometimes you just gotta complain; it just makes you feel better. Um, but what set it off was someone has written a, another essay about like why they're leaving New York City. I don't think they said New York City's dead, but they're just like, this is why I'm leaving. And it's like, no one cares. And no one cares. Um, you're staying in the Tri-State area. Uh, so we talk about that. We just talk about like COVID and Avi. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop there because now it's turning into like a book report where it's like, I'm like, and then me said, quote, end quote, this. And they didn't like book reports in elementary school. We don't like them now. You know, they're bullshit. And I hope you enjoy the episode. I'll see you on the other side. Well, thank you for coming on again. Uh, I love having you on, obviously. I think I've had you on the most 
out of any. I was gonna say so it's far. like the third time. <laughs> yeah, and then like I uh, I did a rerun uh, of one of our episodes. This will be the fourth time. Right? Oh my god! Yeah, only the fourth time you've been on. Oh my um, god! Thank you so much, and I'm glad to see your face. No, because I was so sad I couldn't get to go to the beach with you guys. I think we are going. We might be going again this week, this Saturday or next Saturday. So I'll let you know what's going on. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah, and it's been like we've been going to uh Jacob Reese slash like uh Fort Tilden and mm-hmm. it's really not been that like that many people at all so it's been like you feel like okay if that makes okay, sense okay perfect yeah because that's yeah. what I feel like that's what I'm still worried about like uh I went to a friend's um he had like a birthday party like n- party I say that loosely <laughs> but you know what I mean <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah totally gathering basically and it was in Prospect Park and it was actually it was really nice and it was like well spaced at first but because his, it was on like Labor Day weekend, it just got like super packed after a while. And like, I had some stuff to take care of anyway, but I had to like leave at 630 where I was like, I'm really sorry. Like, I can't like be around this many people without feeling <laughs> some kind of way about it. So, Oh, totally. I still freak out about it. It does seem to be like if you are outside and everyone is like decently spaced, it's okay. Um, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, which... Uh, Brings me to what we were talking about before. Uh, Calvin had texted me an essay by someone that we know who is uh, moving, moving from New York. And it was a, I don't want to say stupid, but it was a goddamn media art, medium article about like why she's moving and like why it's hard. And I, everyone, I just need everyone to know that like no one fucking cares. Um, <laughs> we're so sick of them. <laughs> It's like, so true. Like, like I do mean, you care? I legitimately, well, I already don't care. Like, uh, like I'm trying to put this in ways to be sensitive. So, for example, like, I uh, like, I feel like every year there's always an exodus of artists who leave New York City for various reasons, and they all feel like they have to write like a weird like three page breakup letter with New York city about how it's like, listen, it's just not you. It's I've outgrown you. And now I'm just a different person and I wear makeup now and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And like, it's out of all those are only like two people who I actually did care about who wrote those who moved. And both of them, it was like for like a lot more personal reasons. And it also just has to do with like their identity. And I was like, Oh, like that's important. Like for example, one person was queer and talked about like, leaving New York, um, like, mainly because, like, he was, like, moving to another queer space, and he was, like, you know, this is really great, and he's, like, you know, I'm not trying to say anything to disparage the time I had here, and it was really awesome and fun, but just for, like, my, you know, queer identity, like, New York was important forming that for me, and now that I have this, I can go somewhere else. And I was, like, that's, like, to me, I completely understand that reasoning to move, like, or I understand if you're, like, I came here insecure and like from a you know background that was discriminatory because he came from a place that obviously was not okay to be gay and so like to then move with a sense of confidence i think is more powerful and interesting to me whereas a lot of these essays literally just boil down to like i'm rich i don't want to struggle so i need to leave and i don't think that First of all, that's not inherently an interesting story. And second of all, you should be grateful that you have the privilege to get to leave and go somewhere better for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. 
And that's like, and that's what we were talking about earlier too. Like this, like to not even realize how privileged that is, and to not—I'm e- just getting mad. I'm just getting mad thinking about it. That now I can't even like think <laughs> what I want to say. But it's just like because there's like I don't want to like I don't want to out this person because one I just don't fucking care about them. Uh, but yeah, the idea like the whole essay was so privileged. Uh, she very, very, quote unquote, subtly tells you about the Ivy League school that she went to, because that's basically the only time she hasn't been in New York. Um, And you're just seeing, you're just seeing her list of just like accolades and just like money of the city, which also reminds me how, uh, did you see fucking Upper West Siders got homeless people kicked out of the hotels that they were staying in? Yes, I did. and it's just like, are you fucking kidding me? But that's the other thing I hate about the Upper West Side is those bitches, because I've nannied for so many of those stay-at-home moms, <laughs> are like, we're like really good people because like we care, uh, unlike the Upper East Side where they just get their money. And it's like, actually, no, y'all are still pieces of shit too. Because uh, <laughs> mediocre white people with money are the the devil. Yes. I, I had one mom. I had one fucking mom. Um, the mom didn't say it to me, but it's taking the 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 girl I was babysitting to and from like her like after school activity to her house and there was a homeless guy on the sidewalk and the girl was like you have to move me to the other side of the street and I was like no and she was like my mom always says we're not supposed to stay on the same side as the homeless people and I was like well with me you are yeah and oh I was my just god like, like truly these people have like no fucking souls but they're just like but we're liberal <laughs> But like, Ugh. we get it. Like, vote Biden. Like, voting <laughs> changes everything, guys. I was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, this is the shit that their kids are being taught. And this is like, this person went to, like, lip is from New York, like, the upper, one of the upper sides. And it's just like, this, this is not okay. Like, you are so fucking privileged. You're so fucking privileged. You don't get Ugh. it. That's so aggravating. I can't, ugh. Although, really doesn't surprise me because again, growing up in New York, I was so used to those people who were like, kind of like lip service liberals, I feel, where they just say they really care, but at the end of the day, they're so about nimbyism, like basically not in my backyard, where they're very like, oh, like I really, really care, but also like, I don't want that element near me, where you know element is a code language for like, I don't want minorities or poor people there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you can't care about other people in theory. Like you have to actually do the work. And it's something that so frustrates me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and I think when I was growing up, when I had like a very different sense of what New York was when I wanted to move here, I didn't understand. I didn't understand it at all. Like these different types of of people that live there. I just kind of was like, well, my parents basically thought New York City was like the 1970s. (laughs) <laughs> uh, like they th- they thought I was like the Warriors. I think they saw the Warriors once, and they were like, "This is it." And I was like, "No, <laughs> it's not. It's okay." But um, I lost my train of thought. But I, I, there's something about New York being your whole identity uh, that is like the most basic thing in the world that I don't think people that New York is their whole identity understand. Like that's kind of what it read to me too of this person of this particular essay. It was just like they have nothing else to hold on to feels like they have no other personality besides the fact that like they went to this high school in New York city or that they came from this uh, neighborhood in New York city uh, and looked down upon anything else because the whole essay 
What was weird for me about the essay was that it wasn't about New York at all. It was about all the things that she hated outside of New York. Yeah. And so it was almost like she was writing to herself to be like, it's fine. It's fine. You're not going to be like these people. You're not going to be like these people, which is like, mm, those people are fine. Like, of course, we've all made fun of Jersey. Everyone's made the Jersey smells joke, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I keep losing my train of thought. But it's just like, it just shows how much you don't care about anyone else except yourself when you're writing an essay like that to try to make sh- yourself feel better about the choice that you've made. Or I don't even know if it's a choice that she made or it's just like her partner was like, this is what we're doing. Because like even in the, as you can't tell how they truly feel about or respect each other's opinions. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. And I'm like now word vomiting uh, about it all because like, I can't, the anger is like getting in the way. No, I, I will say I do completely agree with you in that she talked about stuff she hated. Like it was such a like quintessential like hipster essay. Like like mm-hmm. you, like back in the day when like you know hipsters were all about like they just define themselves by the things that they hated. And mm-hmm. I completely agree with you in that. Like I feel like this essay, the writer basically made New York City an identity for herself. You know, and it's like yes. New York has these things, but New York also has like so many other things. And the fact that she was going on like shitting on like pumpkin spice lattes and like, and so in the essay itself, she talks about like how she's like, I'm not one of those people who likes pumpkin spice lattes and diner pancakes. And I was like, first of all, bitch, like New York City is like all diners. Like what the fuck are you talking about? I know, like the New York City diners are like some of the best parts of New York. Yeah, like I dated a guy who was a UN translator from Spain and he would constantly be like, can we go to a diner? And he'd be like, what? Because like he was like, apparently in Madrid, he's like, it's not a thing like it is here. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to shit on like, there are things you can shit on about New York, but like the diners, like what? What are we talking about? And then talking about how like, oh, I can't go to the nightclubs or the museums. And it's like, girl, but you have a kid. So you weren't going to go anyway. Like, yeah, it's crazy to me that people, because I feel like she... It was almost like she made New York into this, like, kind of Sex in the City backdrop of, like, these are the things I could potentially do, but you're not, that she's not doing. And she's lamenting it. But at the same time, it's like, but if you're not taking advantage of these things anyway, it doesn't hurt you to move to someplace that is cheaper that also still gives you, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes access to New York City. Like, I don't see where the problem is here. And I think that the whole essay was ridiculous. Like, I just feel like, you know, there are people who are, like, actually stuck in their homes because they're immune compromised and you're, you have the luxury and and you're right, too, in that. Like, I mean, I'm not sure, again, I don't know how much of it was her husband's decision versus her decision versus, like, some sort of, I don't know, equal decision. But at the end of the day, it still sounds like this is a choice that you both jointly made and are okay with. So... Sorry, I'm trying to like. No, I totally get say it. Say something doing the that's same not thing. just like shut up, but like. <laughs> no, but like shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and like it, maybe I'm just bitter because like I also I'm quarantined single, and it's like please like, I, like un- I understand it is very. This is a very difficult time. Like it is hard whether you're single if you're single because you're lonely and it's hard if you are in a relationship because it's hard when you're like okay this is someone who i have to see every day and plus if you have a child a small child 
that's very difficult because I know that like you're doing a lot of child raising at home and there's no real like break from that because you're constantly family becomes your work 24 seven when you're all in the same place. So on the one hand, like I hate to shit on that because I get it. But at the same time, so many other people cannot leave. And moreover, so many people are just making it work without writing a whole essay about it. And so I don't understand why you felt the need to take your time writing an essay where you you openly acknowledge it. This is a cliche essay, and I know that I sound annoying. So then you understand, but then you still did it. For yeah. what? Yeah, for what? Like, the essay should have been like, I know this is cliche, like, going to be a cliche essay, and so I'm going to stop right now. And yeah. <laughs> if someone wrote that essay on Medium, I would have been like, that is hilarious. That is amazing. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> It is weird. It's like, why do these certain people get to be the people that decide whether, quote unquote, New York is dead or, quote unquote, uh, my story is important enough to hear about why I'm leaving or why I decided to leave or and no one is talking about like who is staying, who has decided to stay, who is forced to stay, who is forced to stay and work through this either remotely or actually have to go out and like service people because basically that's like who's still around, right? Like or service people. Um, grocery stores and and like hospitals, like they're all doing a service for us. Um, and so it sounds like Sarah York said it perfectly. Was just like in that one, she had that perfect tweet that was like, "Oh, people think it's dead because uh, their whole personality was based on someone like servicing them, uh, and now that that can't happen, hmm. they think it's gone. Like they think New York is dead." She says it much better than that. It was like perfect. Like she ends it with like, "Enjoy Cape Cod," and it's just like, "Whoa." <laughs> I never thought Cape Cod could be that much of a burn, and I love it. <laughs> that is, that's a really, really good point because it is true. A lot of it is about like being serviced. Like a lot of people, again, that when she talks about like nightclubs and museums and other things, it's like, yeah, no, you were used to other people basically waiting on you hand and foot to make sure that you can fulfill your fantasy. And now that that fantasy has cracks in it, you can't handle that. And it's like, and again, like I think of the people who, again, are f- or choosing to stay for whatever reason, or f- most of whom are forced to stay because of economic issues, health issues, financial hardships, maybe personal issues. Maybe they have a family member who lives here they have to take care of, and they don't have the luxury to be like, oh, even though I have a um, a partner and a child, like I'm just gonna fuck off. It's like, no, like if what if you do have like a sick a sick parent that you're taking care of. You can't just leave and you're not going to write an essay about that. Like, I just think it's very both interesting and irritating that it's always people who are usually people of privilege and people who are typically not all, but typically people who are white Mm -hmm. who basically get to kind of play like poverty dress up when they come here and then realize that they're tired of the charade and then leave. Like, yeah. Something something Aaron taught me uh, 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 is because like so obviously I'm white um, and obviously like <laughs> super fucking privileged right like I'm I'm number two on the totem pole when it comes to privilege and even just being here just getting to New York City back in 2011 and still being able to be here now um, it's it's a privilege that I'm not I haven't been forced out just because I can't pay for it and something that Aaron taught me was that I would say like oh God I'm poor I'm poor I'm poor and I was and he'd always be like actually no you're not you're broke. There are two very mm-hmm. different things. And like, you need to learn that. Not like he never says it like that. I feel like I say yeah. talk for Aaron and he sounds so mean. And he's really like the sweetest person in the world. And he's like, oh, well, actually, 
I think what you mean is that you're broke. And he's like, because you do have systems that could you know, help you, whether it's me or your family or things around you. Like a lot of people don't have those those systems uh, in place uh, because they didn't have the privilege that they weren't born with the privilege that you were born with. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge thing to learn. And I think um, you really hit on it with this whole like I get to play poverty like dress up because uh, there is this like. Uh, art in the struggle, right? This beauty of the struggle. But like, how true are we being in our struggles when like, if worse comes to worse, like one time, my year two of Kablamo, I got an accountant that I thought was way cheaper. And then when I got the bill, I couldn't pay for it. And I was freaked out. And my I like ran to my parents and was like, I need help. It's the only time I've asked for help, but they were there when I needed it. Uh, and a lot of people don't have that luxury with uh, someone that can help them with a fucking bill from the IRS like and that is something that needs to be addressed and spoken about loudly like a lot of us won't talk about it uh, because there's so much uh, stigma and shame around not being rich which literally is no one except like a very small percentage of people in the world or you don't even realize the privilege that you have because it is just so inherent to the life that you've already lived yeah um I think that's all I had there for that one. That was a long one. No, it's good because it is true. And I mean, and I, you know, like I definitely, I mean, obviously I'm a minority, but at the same time, I still have my own privileges. I mean, again, I mean, for example, for this whole pandemic, like I was lucky in that right now I'm living in an apartment, but my mom owns the house. So I was lucky enough to be able to not have to pay my rent when things got really bad. And when unemployment was all, you know, who knew? And that was all up in the air. Like, I was very lucky to have that. Like, I know that I'm lucky enough to be able to still own and maintain a car, which makes it safer for me to get around the city. Like, I know that, I mean, I still have internet access. And I think people, a lot of people forget that that's a privilege in and of itself. Like, there aren't a lot of people who have easy access to the internet so they can still apply to jobs and things like that. Like, I just feel like there's so much that people take for granted. And so... Sorry, I'm trying to find the best way to say this. It's like, I just feel like when you read essays like these, it's like they're trying to elicit some level of sympathy. And it's like, but your life just simply isn't that hard. Mm-hmm. You're inconvenienced. You're not suffering. Yeah. And that's a huge fucking difference. And fuck, you're right. And I had something and I lost it. You're just saying so many like smart things and I'm just like, yes, but I will, I will say this later and then yeah. it's gone. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Oh, when you're talking about internet access, it's everything's so nuanced now, especially in New York, right? Like, like all, it reminded me of schools in New York because there is such a, should they open, should they not open? What's going to happen? Who knows how, like for those that are listening right now, the plan is a hybrid version that students can opt out of and do only in, um, in home uh, uh, learning if they want to. Uh, otherwise, they're in school for like two days of the week and out of school, blah, blah, blah. But the September 21st is when kids are supposed to start coming into the classrooms. And a lot of people are against it for obvious reasons. It could spread. Uh, people could die. We've already lost a lot of people in the DOE from de Blasio waiting too long to close back in March. So this is an issue. Um, but then you have the problem with school is uh, for some pe- for some children, two out of their three meals. And it is a safe space if they don't have a safe space to go home to. And about 100, 
I think it's about 100,000 kids in New York City are technically homeless. And so where are they going to get internet access if they can't get it in the shelters? Or if the Upper West Siders are fucking pushing people, homeless people out uh, because they don't want it in their fucking backyard because they're goddamn assholes. And I know this fucking hotel, it used to be right across the street from a family that I used to live on. It was like on 79th Street. And I just know that neighborhood so well. They all fucking suck so much. They're a block away from the Museum of Natural History, a block away from Central Park. It's gorgeous. They're like two avenues away from fucking Riverside Park. Just like every fucking amenity. And you just, you couldn't let someone have a piece of the pie. Like just, you guys are awful people. But no one ever wants to talk about those parts, like the hard parts of like, of why maybe schools should be open. Uh, because it's inconveniencing them and their children right now, but their children have all of these things. They have all these check marks, like safe space, internet, this, this, this. A lot of kids don't have computers. Like I know a lot of schools were getting free MacBooks to these, not MacBooks, um, Chromebooks to these kids because they had no other way to access these online situations. And it's still an issue. Not everyone has, has them yet. And it's a slow, a very slow process. And I'm not talking very eloquently about it. And I don't think I'm like the one that should be at the helm of a conversation about NYC schools. But I, we're like number two. We're neither number one or number two as the largest school district in the nation. It's either us and then L.A. or vice versa. And L.A. immediately was like, we are remote, at least I think the first semester. So it's a huge like it's a de Blasio is putting a huge bet on lives um, without really doing any of the work to make sure that people are. Because the problem is the school shouldn't be the like the school should not be all of these things. Rather, we should be focusing on these individual issues that no one is talking about because uh, it's inconvenient. But I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure them out. And I'm also not. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I just don't know. Yeah. I, I hear you. Like, I think it's so hard because I totally agree. And I do, I do understand that there are very, very valuable resources that schools provide. And it's, I mean, it's hard because on the one hand, like there's just like, it's, there's just a no win situation with this. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I still believe that a lot of the problem comes from top down. So like from the federal government, not enforcing regulations from a president who still won't wear masks in public like it's it's so hard to even get a handle on like what the next steps are when we still haven't really done step one so Mm -hmm, it's totally so it's very frustrating And and i am frustrated with de blasio and cuomo as well with their with the response like i think that there's there's certainly things that they've done correctly and there are certain things that they're being very wishy-washy about and I know, and I know that part of it's just to not piss off too many people, specifically too many rich people. Let's be honest, because they're the ones who are being inconvenienced. But at the same time, it's like, but you just still need to make a plan and move forward with it. Because at the same time, like, I, I mean, you know, you hear about all these like super spreader events and like how it's still not safe. And like, this is a little bit of a tangent, but like, I'm on this like random like list for like sex parties. I still <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like not to like be... bring it back to. <laughs> It's, it's, I'm not sure if I would be the perfect clientele for that, but if I am, I would like to be put on that listserv. I think that now they do like um, mixed queer. So at first they were just doing like gay parties and and they like expanded to like bi and like, I guess, queer identity. So I'll send it to you. Um, but it's 
it, what's interesting is like I because I remembered like obviously when COVID first hit, so they used to have parties every like I want to say Wednesday and Saturday or Wednesday and Friday. Um, but they used to have these parties. And then obviously when COVID hit, they were like, so we are not going to be one of those girls who were like, yeah, let's just come through. Like, we were like, nope, we're going to shut it all down. And like, it was so funny because like once a month they would send a thing being like, okay, we're going to hope to open again in, in June. We're going to hope to open again in July. We're gonna, and like now I, they've like, I think they like sent a message that was basically like, look, we just can't do this. <laughs> because, you know, and as much as I understand that like, you know, people want pleasure and the fun of it all, we just know it's not safe. And the last thing we want to do is invite like 20 people who are going to come and, you know, who knows like who those people are going to come in contact with. And like, we don't, we basically don't want to be a super spreader. And it's like, if like a sex party can understand that, I don't understand how like you can understand that schools, which again are having at, at least 20 students in a class, if not more, because normally it's usually more like 25 to 30 students in the class. I don't understand how, as a, how schools, or rather how the mayor and the governor and the DOE can't be like, have a more concrete plan or at least like be in more constant communication about like the realities of the situation. Yeah. And I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it also sounds like uh, de Blasio has put a lot of the work on the principles of like figure out a plan for your school. I know we're basically asking kids to behave in a way that historically they have never behaved that way. And like my first, so I immediately started nannying like once I got here back in 2011 and I never really got that sick when I was in Virginia. And my first like year and a half when I was babysitting, I was like sick like every other month because I just wasn't used to it. I wasn't used to how gross kids are. Like they're disgusting. They're disgusting. They will walk with literal shit on their hands and be like, it's chocolate and not care. And you're just like, am I getting a coli this weekend? Like, I don't know. So it is, it's like, it's horrifying. Oh my god. Um, I love. I do love that awkward sex. And like, I this is like, I do it. I've made sure everyone knows. But like, awkward sex has turned into like, let's talk COVID. And honestly, I think like, I my numbers have been still pretty good. So like, people are like, no, I want to. I want to hear. I want like, because I don't think people understood it. Like, I don't think people understood how bad it was in March and April. Like, how scary it truly, truly was. I talked about this on the last episode. Like in the last episode, uh. I referred to like a few of my like solo episodes back in April and like they're dark. Like I know they're dark. I know I sound fucking crazy, but I stand by them like that shit. It was so scary. You just didn't know. And then people around you in your neighborhood were getting it. So you're like, it's in the neighborhood. Like, what does this mean? And like, I don't know about you, but where we are, like we're not that close to hospital, but the sirens were 24 seven. And you're just like, oh, my God. Um. And I just never wanted anyone to go through like what we went through. And of course, obviously, like now places are because we don't have any. Basically, like my friends in Europe, they got paid to stay home and were able to stay home for like a good week and then not a good week, like a good month, month and a half. And it just really seemed to like get this shit down. It's just, it's so wild. I just don't know what to do. And it's like, cause I keep hearing stories about like colleges that like will start opening up and literally within a week, they're like, yeah, we have to send everyone back home. Cause y'all bitches could not wear masks. And it's like, it just makes me so, mm-hmm. it's, it's frustrating and it's angering and it just makes me so upset specifically when I see other countries and the way that they're handling this where it's like, I grant like you'll still hear about like spikes every once in a while, but like, it's just nowhere near as bad as the U S and like, I feel like 
other countries mobilized, they got their shit together, they got a, like a good response going. And like, I feel like, how are we still at step one, specifically when we had since like April really to get it together and we still haven't? Like, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's so funny because, um, yeah, I felt, well, with the exception of Spain, because um, I still talk to the, the translator in Spain. And he was like, Spain was out of control. Like Spain was like worse than New York, but well, worse than US in general. Um, but like then even Spain like managed to at least get itself together. And then I have another friend who's in Belgium who like Belgium basically is like fine. Like he went back, he's at work right now. Like obviously they still take all the precautions, but it would be so frustrating because he would like see the news and be like, I just can't believe that like you guys are still dealing with this and you're still basically in this basic phase like he's like yeah i traveled i went to romania i went to him like <laughs> and i mean he's not saying it's a brag but um he's you know he legitimately felt bad because he's like i don't understand why it's so hard and i was like it's a stupid american culture like people want to go out and then you get like events like that motorcycle rally in sturgis where like yeah how many hundreds of thousands of people went or like um, I remember he t- we talked about like that Fire Island thing. I don't know if you saw that story about um, how basically in Fire Island, like they all the gay, not all the gays, um, a bunch of a gay men just had basically just a wild party where they're all next to each other. And this one guy put up an Instagram poster. He's like, "Oh, I can't believe COVID's got me sick, but I'm still gonna have to party." And I'm like, "Why would you a openly admit that and b like?" you know this is a real disease. People have died. And you were just like, well, but fuck you because I need to go dance shirtless with 35 other gay men. Like, What was so weird, not, not weird, but I guess like, because the pictures were like, they're on a beach and they're like in a crowd together. And I was just like, but you're on a beach. Don't you want to like lie around? Like at least that would have helped a little bit. Like you're not like literally on top of each other. I do remember that. I was furious. This was also like, I think it happened before I started like going out more. <laughs> Cause so now I'm yeah. now I'm a fucking hypocrite. Um, uh, yeah, it's just or it's like that. Um, the wedding that that was in Maine. Oh yeah, and now people have died because they had this wedding. Um, that's so crazy. As I'm just waiting for the wedding industry complex to complex. I think so to implode on itself. Like it has to. There's no way it doesn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, in general, like, aren't pretty much all weddings canceled this year? Like, I don't know. I can't think of any real, other than, like, obviously those super spreader events. But even those, like, are usually, like, private weddings. Because I feel like most wedding planners are like, yeah, girl, like, we will give you a partial refund because we still need this money. But, like, we're not going to do this until next year. I, now I think about, I do have a friend that has to go to a wedding in Michigan in a couple weeks. Yeah. Like some people are just are like whatever. I could like I could never do that. And I think you're right. I think it's a, a a huge like American culture thing of like this individualistic uh idea of like we get to do what we want whenever. And so sometimes yeah. I wondered like is that why New York was like a little bit better or at least we were like okay, this is like bad like get inside. You're doing this for like your neighbors. Um granted, I don't know any of my neighbors, but like if one of them was like I need something, I'd be like, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. And I think New York just has a better sense of community than, say, like, maybe L.A. or, like, other, like, major cities like that. Um, and obviously, way more sense of community than fucking, like, Florida or Texas. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I um, I think this will be okay to say. But back in, like, April, maybe April or early May, we did, like, a full Zoom meeting with, uh, with I'm just going to say people. 
And someone, uh, I think she's an oncologist. I think she's an oncologist, but she's also like Republican. Oh. Uh, and so uh, people were like, how's it going in New York to me and Aaron? We're like, it's rough. Like, shit's rough. And someone asked her this person because you know she's obviously still working she's like in hospitals and she's like it's and she's uh she lives in texas and she was like it's fine it's just a flu it's not deadly at all um we're gonna find out that it was something else in new york or there was another reason on top of it that made it so lethal and then covid hit in texas uh and then immediately like someone was talking to this person and they were like yeah it's not the flu it's something way worse and it was just like why won't why, why won't anyone fucking listen to us? Why would everyone? I mean, I think it was like obviously denial because no one wants to go through that. It, it's so scary. Yeah. And no one wants to get it. It's so scary because not only are you now sick and you feel so, so sick, there is this like, am I going to die in the back of your head? Yeah. And that's really scary. And I think that's something that still affects me now as like people are going to school and people are going back to jobs and to offices. It's now like, if this gets bad again, like there's this always like in the back of your head, like, am I going to get it? And am I going to be part of the 1% that dies? Like, and you, you yeah. just don't know. And it's like, now they're saying if you're obese, uh, you have a much likelier chance of like being in the hospital or dying. And like, I'm obese. I am technically obese. I think my BMI is like 31 or 32. And once you're over 30, you're obese, which also BMIs are bullshit because they are so fucking racist. It was based off of, like a white man's body. But it's still just Ugh. like that is what doctors are going off on. And you're just like, <laughs> you're like, shit, yeah. <laughs> like I'm in that category. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. But I don't know. Oh, ooh, this is a huge, huge turn uh, from the conversation. Mm -hmm. But it just popped in my head. Whatever yeah. happened to that guy in, in Philadelphia? Oh my goodness. Okay. So uh we may have to cut around this. Okay, um, okay, totally cool. But um the show, well, okay, so we actually did end up meeting up, which was really fun. And we met up a a couple times, um, which was good. And like I I will say, I mean, that first I was the first time was very nice, specifically because it had also been so long <laughs> that like I when we met up, we literally just spent most of the day just in bed. Because we were just like uh, it was it was wonderful and great. Um, and I just feel, but I feel bad because, like, more recently, like, I just, I it also part of it was just that, like, I went through like a very like, just like down and depressive state like a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. that just lasted for a while, and like, I just wasn't really talking to too many people, and like, I was just, it was just like basically a lot of COVID depression to be honest, because mm -hmm. I was just like, just didn't expect that like this would still be going on, that we would still kind of. I felt like be at square one and like there's just the job market is just absolute garbage right now. And um, anyway, so, um, so like we haven't been talking as much lately, which sucks. And like, I'm going to try to message him and like see if I can talk to him this week, but I don't know. I just feel a little off yeah. with him. And I, and I feel like, cause like it's, he's super sweet and a very lovely and nice guy and everything. Like I, but I think that, it just is so hard with COVID and with COVID and the fact that he's not close, mm -hmm. like distance wise, like it's, it's kind of just taking a toll on me personally. Absolutely. So. And like you said, you're, you're doing this single, like you don't have roommates, you're not in a relationship, you're not living with someone. And I think that 
I think that's probably the hardest. I pe- People say yeah. kids is probably the hardest. I think being alone through this is the hardest because like even even just like Aaron's been going to work in this past few like two, these two days where I have all of a sudden all this alone time. It's just like you kind of start to realize like how quiet everything is. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, hmm, I'm not really that interesting. Like, I'm not going to talk to myself. Like, they're like, what, what yeah. do I do? Um, not that you're not interesting. That doesn't make sense. Just like they always no, no, are just like, I how do it. I occupy myself? And then to do that for wh- we're at, what we're at like six months now. Yeah. Like that's it's a lot. That's a lot. And then staying indoors is a lot. Like I I definitely have seen um I feel like I've seen a lot of uh COVID depression or COVID anxiety and not necessarily from the disease itself or from the virus itself, but from these new these new parameters we find ourselves in. Yeah. Um it's a lot. It's very daunting. And of course that's going to mess up like even wanting to talk or or date anyone and then let alone try to date someone that's like not in even the same state. Like that's yeah. that's a lot. Exactly. It, it really is. It's just hard and it's like and I feel the same way cuz I just part of what made me depressed was that it was just like I felt like I was applying to things and then not getting them and then because I've so much free time, you just have so much time to think about not getting hired for things. Mm-hmm. And then like, uh, there was like a spate of like, just like writing packets and stuff that like, I just flat out didn't do. And then I felt, it was like a, one of those like spirals where you're just kind of like, I'm not working, so I don't feel motivated, but because I don't feel motivated, I don't feel creative enough to work. And it just kind of like was going down and down and down. So we're like, I, I mean, I swear I must have binge watched like three series in a row, like literally like would not sleep until like I passed out like watching shows because I was just like, I, it doesn't matter. And like, I guess this is just retirement. So like I just finished Chuck, which I've never seen before. I'm watching Alias again, which I like already seen. I literally own, I owned Alias DVDs and somehow I ended up watching it because like there's just nothing to do and you're just kind of like, I don't know how to schedule time anymore. So mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if you feel the same way. I mean, at least you're like doing this podcast, so you have this, but like, I just felt like I just literally just don't know how to manage my time. So even the times where like I'll have deadlines and I'll just blow past them because I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Does it matter? It's, it's a just a real state to be in. Well, it's really, I mean, you're right. Like none of it matters, right? Like we've been conditioned by capitalism to think that like, if we're resting, we're like failing. And so I would say like March when I left, when I took my leave of absence from Trader Joe's, so like mid March to maybe until June, there was a lot of like, uh, like self-hating dialogue in my head of just like, you have all this free time now and you're not writing the book that you wanted to write and you're not doing this. So you obviously don't have the talent to do it or the discipline to do it. And then I finally, I don't know like what got me to stop talking like that to myself, but it was just kind of like, you have all this time. So why don't you rest? Because you've been going nonstop and have been exhausted for the past year. And so I just started like like watching a lot more TV. I mean, me and Aaron always already watch a shit ton of TV. I was like watching things that like I really love that kind of like reminded me of like liking who I was like as a child and like reading a mm-hmm. lot more. And somehow that like pulled me out of it of just like, oh, here's all these things that you love to do that aren't productive and make you feel great and show you that like you don't have to be like a productive part of society, like especially right now to be like a human or to be considered whole. 
And so mm-hmm. that helped a lot. And also I had like Aaron to like complain about all of this stuff too as well. And um, cause that was also like kind of hard. It was like, he would be working in the living room and I'd be like in the bedroom for like hours because like our internet doesn't work well and he had to have the internet. Um, and we're, the router is in the living room. And so I just kind of like be in this bedroom being like, hmm, like, what do I, <laughs> which is like, it's totally fine. Like I obviously like I'm okay, but it was just like this weird, like all of a sudden, like all your creature comforts are like taken away from you of like performing and like producing and like all these things that you're like, well, this is what makes me an adult all taken away from you. Um, so too long didn't read. Yes. I definitely felt like that for like until June. And then I just kind of was like, fuck it. Like, let's take this time and just kind of like re reinvest in like your literal like mental health and like your body again and that and just like your mind. And that helped a lot of just being like, I don't fucking care. I'm not working right now. But yeah. also to your point, the podcast had helped too. the fact that there was like something I was doing once a week that was like, this is still creative. And it literally like the solo episodes are literally just like a, like a talking journal of just like what I was thinking of at that time. And so it literally was like another form of therapy too. And so that totally helped as well. Or like, sorry, I'm talking so much. No. The, cause we, we both are on unemployment and I've brass tacks has helped me. I was like, please help me. I don't understand if I need to like reapply uh, to get an extension. And they're like, okay, here's what we found. And if I read it correctly, we're supposed to let our unemployment go to zero days of like, we have no more. Mm -hmm. And then to claim benefits again the next week and it should reset. But you don't know until it goes to zero. Okay, damn. That's what sucks. uh, that's annoying because that's honestly like that's kind of what was part of the depression too is that because I had the same thing because like my, I think I'm down to like 12 days left, Mm -hmm. which is like, and that's when I really started panicking and being like, oh my God, like I really need to like get some shit together. Mm -hmm. And because I, because I knew that there was an extension, but even the extension, I don't even know. I mean, I know it's supposed to at least go through the end of the year is what I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's actually very helpful to know. So thank you for that. Because I was like, I don't know like what I'm going to do. Like how to reapply. Do I have to like show work journals? Like, I know. I don't have a work journal. I like totally forgot that was part of it because there were no jobs. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I guess everyone's like on board of like, we're not doing a work journal. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it was crazy. I have no idea. Because like even when I went to the unemployment website, like for at least the first, like, uh, like, cause I got on it in like April and like the first, like, we, cause I was trying to go on the job because there's like supposed to be like a job career resource center basically. And that website crashed, like it did not work. And then they put up like a notification saying like, yeah, there's, this won't be functional for a while because there are no jobs. <laughs> and like, and a lot of those things like sometimes involve like in-person counseling, which obviously they can't do right mm-hmm. now. So I was very like, I don't really know what kind of what's happening. Like it just felt, it feels so chaotic, you know? Yeah. Well, it feels like the system is created to discourage you from staying on unemployment, which is one bullshit in and of itself, like in a normal economy without a pandemic, just to make people struggle as they try to find something new. Like why punish people? But even to now have to deal with it, this weird system within a pandemic, uh, and we're already stressed about so many other things. It's like, you could, why, why can't you just make this easy? Why can't you make it easy? 
Thank you guys for listening. Uh, remember, rate, like, review, subscribe. Uh, feel free to email me at awkwardsexandcity at gmail.com. Even if you just like want to vent, because obviously like we're in this for uh, a very long time. I think much longer than we thought it was going to be. So yeah, if you want to vent, shoot this shit. Send me, send me something at uh, awkwardsexandthecity at gmail.com. And I will see you guys next week. Wash your hands. Uh, wear your masks. Wipe your butt. If you weren't wiping your butt before, that's really weird. I don't think you were not. Unless you have a bidet. Get a bidet. I think I'm getting one. Okay, I'm going to go now. Okay, bye.